gentlemen, for another episode of Vol Club Confidential. I'm your host, Austin Price. Tennessee and Texas coming up on Saturday. A big game for the Vols as they uh, dip outside of conference play after uh, a, a solid January in conference play. They'll dip out for this one game and then dip back in coming up this week. Joined by James Clawson of Spire Sports. James, you all will have a huge tailgate coming up uh, for this game on Saturday. Um, just kind of take me through the decision to, to try to do this. We talked a little bit about it last week, but uh, at the same time, it's it's unique because everybody associates tailgating with football. Yeah, we're excited. We're really excited about it. It's going to be Saturday. Uh, members can check their emails this week for more information, but you know it's going to be indoors. We'll have a lot of food, drinks. We'll have football players there, so it should be a really good time. It, will you be doing uh, homemade uh, food there? Will you, will you? We have the skillet out there. Do, do you want me to be? No, I've seen you cook. Okay, um, yeah. it's bad. Uh, take me through this shirt right here. You, you had the the you know the Dixieland Delight polo. Yeah. Um. You know, with inward half back in football season, you had the beer barrel. Yeah. Now you've got this basketball one with all these cool jerseys on. You got Lofton. You got Ernie. You got Bernie. Um. Kind of neat. Yeah, so we got our third, our third inward half polo, our collab with them. So uh, the basketball polo, um, you know, we're really excited about it. We obviously had the beer barrel, like you mentioned. We had Dixieland Delight. This is the basketball one. A lot of cool uh, references, like you said, back to things in the past, things that you know most Tennessee fans will recognize. Allen Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Um, old school, old school court. The way yeah. it looked, you know, back in the Stokely. back in the day. So yeah, we're excited about that. Um, and then. Baseball, we'll have a baseball polo coming out, too, before baseball season. So, kind of like that, but it may be a little bit different twist on it. Nice. So, yeah. What's, what's the theme of this this polo? The theme of this polo? Yeah. Uh, what would you say the theme is? Um, the rafters, because all those guys are in the rafters. Okay. Yeah. The That's rafters. we're calling it. I like it. The Rocky Top Rafters Polo by Inward Half. There we go. Spire just Sports. I just named it. Boom. Yeah. How you like that? All right. Enough of James Claus and enough of me. Now let's get to the star of the show, Tennessee linebackers coach, Brian Jean-Marie. Hey, what's up, Austin? What's up, man? How are you doing? Good. Doing great. Doing great. Coach BJ. Yes, sir. Brian Jean-Marie, or as I joked last week with Coach Banks, as us old East Tennesseans would call it, Brian Jean Mary. Um, <laughs> how much do you hear that? Uh, a ton, a ton. Uh, you know, I was born in New York City where there's a lot. I'm Haitian. Sure. Uh, both parents are from Haiti. So there's a lot more Haitians up there. So they pronounce it correctly. When I moved down south and went to uh, Apopka High School down outside of Orlando, Florida, uh, that's when the, the different variations of my last name really started <laughs> to take shape. So Jean Mary kind of sticks because that's what, you know, people are used to. When you uh, kind of got into coaching, you know, after your playing career was over with, you know, was there a moment in time where you're, you know, you said that's this is what I want to do. Like I want to go down this road. I love the game too much to go, you know, do something else. It's it's a typical story. Um, I thought I was a pretty good football player. Uh, you know, I was a linebacker at Appalachian State, and I, I room I was roommates and best friends with one of the greatest one AA you know football players uh, in history, and Dexter Coakley, uh, who played for the Cowboys, played in the NFL for ten years. Um, 
now that I'm a coach, I realize I wasn't as good as him, <laughs> but it was good to think that when I was a player. Uh, I was often injured uh, when I was in college, uh, had different knee injuries, uh, tore my ACL, tore it twice, actually. So I, I had more time in the training room than on the field. Uh, and just to stay engaged and stay involved, you know, I got in with some of the coaches, got involved with game planning, always uh, thought I was uh, an intelligent football player and could really think the game. So, um, you know, my last year, I was more of a player coach than I was a player. I played some, but um, I was really could, you know, run the room, the linebacker room, and, you know, coach some of those younger guys. So it was natural. When you go through – what you went through as far as being in the training room, go through the double ACLs and stuff, does that make it easier when you're a coach and you have one of your players go through a tough time because you can kind of talk to him about experience and, 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 you know, kind of what you dealt with? Yes. Uh, you know, a hundred percent, uh, injuries are a part of football, sure. you know, some uh, injuries are worse than others. I, I'm, I mean, I'm the perfect example of that, but, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've always, I always talk to the guys and just tell them, make sure you stay engaged. Um, cause that's the one part when you're injured, it feels like the team, you know, the season kind of goes on without you and you can get into a lonely place. Uh, and I think that's one of the things I feel like I, I really do bring to the table. We want to keep those guys connected, make them still feel like they're part of the team. And, you know, I always tell them when you get back, you want to hit the ground running. So you don't want to, you know, kind of isolate yourself and, you know, throw a pity party. You're still part of the team and you still, you're still a big part of the team and we want to keep you involved because once you get, you know, healthy, you're right back in the mix and let's get back to, to football and playing at a high level. You joined Coach Banks' defensive staff and Coach Heupel's overall staff from Michigan. Yes. Um, you know, when, when you made that move, you got here for spring and you had basically me playing linebacker because everybody was injured <laughs> or had left the program. When you think about where you were that first practice or two and where you are now with the influx of young linebacker talent and then you've got Keenan Peely coming in from yes. BYU and stuff, gets you excited because you've kind of weathered through like no depth and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, it gets you excited knowing about like what you got coming. Yes, it, it does. I know our, our first spring, I, I, I would, had to really, uh, you know, dig deep into my coaching, uh, you know, bag. And it and, was and really me playing linebacker. <laughs> uh, it was, it was, it was rough, but, uh, you know, with you could see the the future sure. and, and what it was going to become. Um, you you saw with Coach Hype's vision that we were going to be able to build it the the right way. Unfortunately, we you know we had some guys that decided to leave the program, and we had some other guys that had some issues, you know, off the field. But um, you know, the the guys that stayed weathered the storm, and you could tell, you know, the, the kids had so much pride in Tennessee that were there that spring and weren't very talented, <laughs> but they would give you their all, and you knew once the you know other guys came back and you could build it the right way that the makings were going to be there for you know to have a really good you know really good group. You've been some cool places. You've been Texas, Austin, Texas, and coached at the Big House in Michigan, Tennessee. Um, how much fun has that part of your career been to kind of be at some really blue blood type programs? 
it, it's been uh, it's a blessing. Um, you know, I played one double A football. I played at Appalachian State before they became a one A program. So um, you know, I've and, and I got a chance. I have to say this: I coached at the University of North Alabama, uh, Division Two, a really really good Division Two program. Uh, that was my first really full time job. So I've seen it. Uh, you know, uh, on both ends. You know, I've, I've been on the the bus patrol where you're taking buses. You know, seven eight hours to go to games, and you know, um, it's it's not as glamorous. Sure. So you really do appreciate when you get a chance to go to some, you know, some of the blue blood programs. And the tradition is is you know second to none. I think that's the the part that really stands out. Uh, you know, there's all all programs are good. You know, you go to any Division One Power Five programs are good, but when you really start talking about some of the blue bloods and the tradition and the history of those programs, it, it, it kind of makes the hair stand up on you, on your arms a little bit because you know you're somewhere special. So you joined this defensive staff. Did you know anybody coming in? I mean, did you know Rodney or Willie or any of these guys? I knew of them. Uh, you know, I, I coached at Georgia Tech for six years, and Rodney and Willie gave me a lot of headaches when they were getting after us uh, when they were at the University of Georgia. So obviously through recruiting and just sure. being in the same state, knew of them. I had a lot of respect, a ton of respect for them, two great coaches. So uh, was when I knew they were here, that was part of, you know, that peaked, part, one of the things that piqued my interest about coming on staff was having the ability to work with those two guys. Best part of Knoxville that you found is what? The best part of Knoxville? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. Um, uh, I, I, I'm going to say this to you. I've driven through Knoxville several times. Um, I not really have stopped in the Knoxville. I heard a lot of great things about the university, but I am uh, was pleasantly surprised, me and my family, at how uh, metropolitan, you know, Knoxville. That's what Coach Banks said yeah. last week. I yeah. mean, it's, it's it's a city feel to it. It's a city feel to it, but it still has that small town, at, you know, vibe to sure. it where you, you don't feel like the hustle and bustle of being in Atlanta or in Nashville. So I think it's the best of both worlds. I mean, I said it you know, within my first two months here. This is, you know, one of the hidden gems of the South. I think it's a great, great city. So your kids are at that age where you know they're they're starting to become you know little people and yes. you know, as far as like you know I mean like little men and little women yes. you know not not kids anymore. Yes. Do you kind of relish that? Do you mean God get to see out there at Web this fall and you're watching your daughter dance yes. and stuff? Just kind of being a dad. I mean, I know you guys work long hours. So I we mean, do. like when you can get a chance to go out and just be dad. How much do you kind of look forward to those moments? It's one of the highlights of my week when I do get a chance to spend some some time with them. I say God blessed me with two daughters because I'm around young men all the time. Obviously, being in the profession for as long as I, I've been, I feel like I've had 100 sons. <laughs> so, you know, you get a different perspective when you're dealing with, with females. Obviously, being the only male in the house, sometimes you can pull what little hair I still have left. I, I'm, I'm pulling it out because I don't ever see things from the female perspective which is probably good um but um they they keep me honest they keep me whole i tell people all the time either i'm gonna i'm gonna uh grow old a lot faster than i should or they're gonna keep me young uh, and so far they're keeping me young because they keep a smile on my face yeah girl dad here as well um <laughs> it, it, and it, tr- it really is true like you know the whole mama's boy daddy's girl yes, i mean yes. like you know th- how often do that Dad, mom doesn't yeah. want to let me do this, and they're like they're leaning on you because that happens to me all the time. Of course, of course. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, 
from uh, an old businessman that you know I, I uh, came up with uh, when I was in uh, Georgia, and he, I was all depressed when I found out I was having a girl. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, you know, my dad only had boys, come from a family full of boys. So when I found out I was having a girl, I'm like, no nah, wait. He's like, Brian, I'm telling you, it's the best thing that's gonna ever happen to you. He said, I've been around you. One day you're gonna get old. Nobody's gonna want to be around you. And he's like, those girls, they're gonna stay with you to the end. He said, I got, I got two boys right now. I have to try to track them down to ask them how they're doing. So he's like having those girls. He said, it's, it's going to be a, a blessing to you. So I still remember that and I still believe that to be true. Favorite family tradition? Is it, is it just Christmas morning? Is it Thanksgiving? What is it for you? Is it, or is it something off the beaten path? Uh, the, the one thing that we do as a family, we've been doing since they were small. Um, you know, we're always going to take a, a family vacation somewhere, but we're always going to do something where we're going to be in the car. Uh, where we're going to drive, you know, whether it be, you know, six or eight hours where, where we have our great family time. Nobody can escape. We don't. No cell phones, you know. Lock the doors. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it's just our time to be together, you know, talk about things going on with them, things going on in the world, you know, what are your future plans, how's everything going. And sometimes, you know, being trapped in that car, you feel like you're a world away and it's just, you're on an island by yourself. And those are some of the best memories because as they've gotten older and those conversations have changed, I think they really do appreciate the family time that we get, just the four of us. Favorite TV show growing up? As a as a adolescent, I think my favorite TV show would have probably been you're gonna laugh for you old school people would have been Cheers. As growing up in in uh in in New York, that was uh I think that was uh you know one of the better shows just because it was comedy but had some real life you know uh, events in it too. So I know a lot of people don't probably want the young kids wouldn't even know what that is, but but as an adult, my favorite show of all time was uh, Sopranos. I'm with you. I, I would say growing up, I, I just loved. I loved older. I loved Get Smart. I loved Andy Griffith. I loved, yeah. Like Nick at Night. I could watch that stuff all day long. <laughs> Although underrated, Unsolved Mysteries of Robert Stack. Uh, <laughs> flip it to now. Uh, I love Twenty Four. I love Jack Bauer. Oh, that's a great show. Just because it's constant. Oh you know? yeah. And if you're trying show. to binge watch, you'll be up all night. There's no doubt. It ends on a cliffhanger every episode. <laughs> favorite movie of all time. Favorite movie of all time. Um, I'm probably giving away too much of my uh, of my my uh, personality, my character, but um, I'm gonna say uh, Scarface. Oh, I love Scarface. Yes, I felt like a lot of the the buildings in Miami when we were done for the Orange Bowl. Yes. It still looks they like still the it looks like the same facade that same. from from when that was filmed 40 years ago. Yes. I asked Coach Heupel this at a recruiting celebration back last month. You go in for all these in-home visits, and all these parents and moms make all these different meals, and you're constantly eating yes. different types of food. Yes. When you show up, I'm not going to put you on the spot to say which one do you not like, but when you show up, are you ever like, oh, I just had that last night at somebody else's house? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing with most parents, they usually ask you, Sure. You know, what do you like? You know, what meals? So you can control it a little so bit. So you can control it a little bit. And, um, you know, I think most of them keep it simple. They're not, you know, they're not going to make, uh, you know, a dish that's kind of foreign to you. So that's good. You know, a lot of chicken, a lot of pasta, um, you know, sp you know, I was going to say spaghetti, which is pasta, um, you know, 
nothing nothing over the top. I think they they try to keep it simple because they don't know what people like and don't like. Best meal you've ever had from a recruit's mom is what? Oh wow. Uh, You ask. I've, I've been doing this for a long time, Austin. No, no, I'm with you. But like, has there ever been one that just sticks out where you see that kid and you instantly think that meal stays with me today? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this to you. Uh, I always say the the best meal in your mind that you thought you ate was probably because you was probably really hungry, hungry when you ate it. So I don't know if the meal was that good, but probably one of the best meals I ever had is a young man who's. Uh, who does commentating for ESPN right now, Roddy Jones, yeah. who works for ESPN. Uh, I recruited him when I was at Georgia Tech, and I went to his home, and I could see his mom laughing. We caught her in the corner of her eye because me and the head coach at the time, Chan Gailey, went back for thirds. <laughs> <laughs> so she was snickering. And the funny part, like what you said, parents communicate. So we went to another young man's house maybe two days after that, and his mom had like a feast laid out on the table. And within five minutes, we looked at each other. And I was like, yeah, they've been talking. <laughs> she, she knew she had to prepare a bigger meal because she heard how much we ate at the previous young man's house. What's the best recruiting story you got that we can tell? Uh, uh, Whether it be going head to head with somebody, staying in the house till midnight, trying to fend somebody off. I mean, I know that doesn't happen as much anymore. anymore but I've, I've been a part. I've, I've definitely... Uh, been a been a part of of that. Um, uh, I mean, uh, it, it's been so many. Um, I think one of the better ones, um, probably when uh, at the uh, univer- at, when I was at the University of Texas, we recruited uh, uh, one of the top linebackers in the country, uh, Malik Jefferson, and he made no bones about it. He was going to Texas A and M uh, with Coach Sumlin. And, um, but you still had to do it. Yeah, we 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 went over to the we went over to the house, and um, I can't think of the the young man that was uh, worked for a recruiting site. He was in the kids' room <laughs> recording as we were in the house. Uh, you know, talking to the talking to the young man. So mom, dad, brother, everybody come over, and we're just going over everything, trying to you know lay out why it would be better to um you know to come to um to the University of Texas at the time and you know we 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 everything on the up and up every you know we're 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 telling them you know the experience and everything and the kids like all right I got to go so he leaves and he goes into his room he's in his room for 40 minutes so I'm thinking what in the world <laughs> what in the world is going on and then he comes back and it was like you know what coach everything that you talked about I believe you. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, um, I was going to Texas and m because he was a mid-year, but I'm really considering going back to, to Texas. I mean, going to Texas. And I was like, what in the world could have happened? Well, he goes back. Uh, he goes back in the room, listens to everything that the, uh, that the guy recorded, and then looks up to see if he, he fact-checked me with everything that I talked about. And, Obviously, I was 100% on when I talked about graduation rate, you know, what former players are doing. You know, these are the opportunities. If you come there, that can happen. He fact-checked everything with the kid, with that guy in the house, and came back, and we ended up getting him. Boom. (laughs) That was wild. So I always go back. Every kid I've recruited since then. The truth shall set you free. Yes. Every Every kid I recruit since then, I always go into that room every time I go in the house. 
Ironically, as you were waiting on Arion Carter to announce, it was Brent Hubbs and I in Arion Carter's room because he was trying to end off Pete Golding, who was driving around Smyrna. And we were in there like, hey, Pete, you, rec- you interviewed the kid on the bed? I said, that's where he wanted to do that's it. Where he wanted to I'd have done it at the stadium. He didn't want to, do, he didn't want to deal with Pete yeah. Golding, yeah. Um, which is just some kids. Yeah. Uh, you have all these midterm guys come in, including Arion Carter. Um could you notice anything in a handful of practices? You can. Um, you, you, the number one thing, you want to verify the athleticism. When you watch the kids, um, we didn't get a chance to get too deep into the physical part about it, but the movement skills from all three of those guys, they are definitely, you know, have a chance to be high-level SEC linebackers. What traits do you feel like each possess? Like, I guess if you said best trait for Arion, best trait for T-Lander, best trait for Jalen Smith. I'll start with, with Arion, the, uh, you know, the, the Tennessee kid. He he has uh, all the all the makeups to be, uh, you know, a high-level, you know, all-SEC type linebacker. Very, very intelligent ask the right questions, very sudden, very powerful, you know, quick, quick feet, great burst, um, and uh, very aggressive in the way he does everything. You know, those are all traits to be, you know, very, very successful. You know, obviously he's got to learn our system, learn the speed of the game, and I would say that all three of them, when I, you know, I, I pulled them all three aside and spoke to them and said, what did you think you did? What, what did you feel you, do, you did well? And what do you feel like you need to work on? All three of them were, you know, amazed at the speed of the game. All three said the the offensive linemen in college move so much faster than they do <laughs> in, in high school. I'm like, yes, that's that's the nature of you know playing in the SEC. Um, but Arion in particular, you know, shows um, you know innate skills, just dissecting plays, and you know, I, I always say. Uh, a great skill is asking the right question. Some guys will ask questions just to kind of check to make sure that they're, they're on the right path. Sure. He actually asks questions to try to connect one plus one to equal two. And I think that's a great skill to have because you can see how, it, how he processes and know he's going to be able to handle a college playbook. How has your coaching style changed from when you became a coach to now? Has it morphed? Or is it still very similar to what you were several years ago? Um, I think it's changed just just through maturity. Uh, I was I'm always going to try to be high energy. Um, you know, I I came from some old school coaches who you know were in your face. You know, we're gonna you know felt like the best way to get things out of you is like the Junction Boys. They're going to try sure. to bury you and build you back up. I think football has changed. You know, it's a 12 month deal now. I think when coaches were removed from players, uh, like you know when I was in school, you would see your coaches majority of the time would be in spring practice, and then you'd see them when when the season started. But now that football is a 12-month deal uh and you're around them all the time you you know the relationships are a little better um you can you know what buttons to push without maybe you know being as in your face and not as boisterous as as some of the coaches that I dealt with when I was coming up so uh, I think that's the evolution of coaching now you still got to coach them hard you still got to coach them to be prepared uh you know for the worst case scenarios that they to help them be successful but i think the relationship piece of it now where they know it's a lifetime you know uh relationship not just a coaching relationship i think that's the biggest difference is there a moment in time where you just felt really a sense of pride for how a kid either 
was struggling in the classroom, got it figured out, struggling on the field, got it figured out, uh, relationship you, you know, maybe you didn't feel like was, you know, going the right way and then end up being one of the best relationships you've ever had. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is there a moment in time where you felt like just a sense of pride with a particular player? Yeah, um, I, I've had several. I, I mean, we all, you know, obviously applaud the young men who go on and make it to the NFL because sure. that's a lifelong, you know, goal. But there are certain, several young men that, you know, when they started college, you didn't see an end where they were going to graduate and walk across that stage. And when you see that, you have a, you know, real sense of pride for them because you know what they worked through to get there. Um, and I've had several, I think, at every place that I've been um, where they you can kind of see they see the the um, the light at the end of the tunnel uh, when it came to football-wise, and they had a plan for when football was over with. And that gives you a, a really – it gives me a sense of relief because you feel like just like you have kids, you're releasing them into the world with a plan. You want to make sure your players have the same. If you go back and you weren't going to play football – what would you play? A, a sport or a career? Both. Um, I, you know, I, I told you I was born in New York, so everybody thinks they're great basketball players in New York. <laughs> I thought I was a really good basketball <laughs> player, but once again, I wasn't. In my own <laughs> mind, I was. But um, yeah, Saturday afternoons, um, the 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 routine when I was uh, in middle school was you'd watch the Big East game of the week. That was always played at around noon. And then afternoon, the basketball courts would be full until the lights, you know, turned off in the playground. And that was uh, me probably from fifth to eighth grade. Where did you live at in New York? And I lived in Brooklyn. Lived in Brooklyn. Uh, my, my mom lived in Jersey. Uh, excuse me. My dad lived in Jersey. My mom lived in Brooklyn. So we went back and forth between uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey, and Brooklyn, New York. Best part of living in Brooklyn was what? Uh, I joke with people because of mass transit as a seventh grader, I could go from New York to New Jersey. I could go to all five boroughs in New York between the buses and the trains. I knew my, I knew uh, the whole uh, transit system and they had sidewalks everywhere. So you could literally walk from one end sure. of New York to the other. Uh, I quickly found down South. That's not the same way. everywhere. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so that was the biggest culture shock. Like everybody has to have a car, in uh, you know down south, the the obviously the transit system system isn't the same with the buses and the trains. That was a shock to my system because that's all I knew. So I like I said, I could go from New York to New Jersey uh, through the trains and the buses when I was in the seventh grade with no problem, with no supervision. All right, let's go rapid fire in New York. Giants or Jets? Giants. Yankees or Mets? Mets. Rangers or Islanders? Rangers. Nets or Knicks? Knicks. Okay. Well, thank God. <laughs> Even though you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> well, they were they were in New Jersey. Uh, no, correct. Was, that's yeah. right. That's right. When I was coming up, yeah. That's right. You're old. We've 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 already established that. Yes. Not as old as Coach Banks, though. Um, <laughs> best New York pizza. It's been so long. I, I I really don't remember. I'm going back there this spring, but I don't remember. We're we'll moving to that 12 team playoff. Yes. First round. 
will be at home sites. So in yes. theory, like Michigan could come to Tennessee or yes. Tennessee could go to Wisconsin or yes. whoever. How much How much do you like that? I, I'm a big proponent of home and homes. Like I hate neutral site games. Same. Maybe not Maybe not bowl game neutral site yes. games, but like, you know, Tennessee's going to play Syracuse and Atlanta coming up and West Virginia and Charlotte. Like that just does nothing for me. I like going <laughs> I like going to Notre Dame, Notre Dame coming here, yes. going to Cal and Cal coming here. Yes. You, you like that too? I like home and home, yes. I'm not a big fan of the neutral site um, game because it doesn't. I think it's a, a bowl atmosphere, but it's a regular season game. I'm not a big fan of neutral. I, I always feel like either you're going to you want to be the road team or the true home team. One stadium that you've not coached in that you'd like to coach in. Not even. I don't mean as like coaching for them, but I mean like yeah. You know, you know, if you went there for Tennessee or whoever. Um. Um, in College Station, didn't get a chance to go. There. Yeah, oh. come up. Texas A&M comes here next yes, year. Yes, they do. Um, how how proud were you of this season? I, I talked to Coach Banks about this last week. When you look at the defense, thirteen games, ten of them you didn't allow thirty points. I mean, like that's to me a huge improvement from yes. year one to year two. I'm not sure people love to talk about the offensive side of things, of course, but like defensively, if you really look at it, you guys made as much improvement as anybody. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought, um, you know, second year in the system, obviously you, you wish we didn't get ravaged by the injuries we did in the uh, secondary. I thought front seven wise, we, we really improved. We had so many guys coming back. And like I said, second year in the system, um, I thought the kids played hard. I think that's going to be our calling card. You know, as long as Coach Hypo and Coach Banks are here, the kids are going to, you know, run through a wall for you. If we can keep that up and um, keep, you know, adding playmakers and just the culture piece of it uh, where I feel like the, uh, the kids really understand what we're trying to get done, I still think the best is yet to come. Funniest coach in the staff room when you're just busting each other's chops is who? who? Willie, Willie Martinez. Willie Martinez by far. Is anybody sneaky? Like all of a sudden they come out of like left field with like a, just a like a, a left hook out of nowhere. Um, I would it'd probably be a tie. It would uh, the the one that was obviously the the most is no longer with us. That would have been Coach Golish. Golish. Yeah, but. Uh, I'm going to make you laugh. Probably be um, Coach Ellerby. Because sometimes Glenn doesn't try to be funny, but some of the comments that he makes that's just sneaky, just like, I think I know what he meant by that. And you just start smiling because <laughs> he's such a low-key uh, guy. But, you know, when he does speak, you listen. And when he makes a comment, even though it's in his in the Glenn Ellerby way, it's pretty funny. Funniest player on the team, too. It'd be, in my opinion, it's uh, Brandon Turnage. Or uh, Dylan Sampson. Both guys, I think, have a, a, a smile a lot. Always, always. Best advice that you could give your younger self going out the door is what? Don't, don't always, you know, put yourself in a box. Just because it worked once doesn't always mean it's going to work. Evolve. Every time. Got to evolve, yes. Um, you know, you got to look at every situation uh, through a different lens. You got to make sure you're doing what's best to be successful in that situation. Too many times, and we've been around coaches that just 
this is the way I did it before. This is where I'm going to do it. And if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. And I think we have to get past that as coaches. Got to get past that as just human beings. Sure. But I think coaching-wise, we, we put ourselves in boxes so, so many times. And that's where you see guys that are really good coaches that are not successful when they should be. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time. Good deep dive on Brian Jean-Marie, my guy from New York. Yes, sir. Via Haiti. Yes, sir. Thank you, Austin. We appreciate you. All right.